We're going inside them. We're going outside them. Inside them, outside them. And if we get them on the run once, we're going to keep them on the run. And we're not going to pass unless our secondary comes up too close. Don't forget that. We're going to get them on the run. We're going to go, go, go. 51.8 points per game. I mean, to hold them to 20, and honestly, it, it could have been a lot less. They, they were never comfortable in the game. Just a phenomenal performance uh, from all three phases, really, uh, from the Irish. And, and Nick, you felt like this, this team was on the ropes, right? They were backed into a corner. There were a ton of questions that Notre Dame fans were asking about Marcus Freeman and his experience level, um, you know, our offensive coordinator not being competent enough. And I think those were all fair questions, um, you know, to put out into the world or, you know, to put out about, about your team and for Notre Dame to respond the way that they did in this kind of performance, I will hundred percent say, you know, I did not expect this kind of game to happen on Saturday night that we witnessed. I mean, I couldn't be more proud of Marcus Freeman getting these guys off the mat, ready, prepared, 
Hats off to the defense. Obviously, we're going to get into that. But just a remarkable performance, too. And it shows how gutsy this team is because they went through a gauntlet of four ranked opponents in a row. And to come out on top at the end of it, man, man, I tip my hat to everyone that was part of that that locker room. There's no doubt, man. I mean, uh, what what a phenomenal job by not only Marcus Freeman, uh, but the entire coaching staff. Because for as bad as the fan base was feeling after that Louisville loss, and we were I can only imagine. Bad. We were down bad. We were down bad. And and I can only imagine how his team was feeling, uh, how the coaching staff was feeling. So, yeah. you know, to, to get, the, get the guy's mindset right, get him refocused, and to play with that kind of execution, that kind of uh, emotion and mentality, I thought was really impressive. So just a phenomenal job from Marcus Freeman. And he was named the uh, the Dot Trophy Coach of the Week. So congrats well to our man, Marcus yeah, Mark. Freeman. Baby. I never left your hill, Marcus. Just letting you know. Just for the record, never left your hill. <laughs> uh, I love it, man. All right. Um, so a lot to dive into uh, here. Uh, I, I want to start with the defense. I mean, what a phenomenal game plan by Al Golden. And, man, it didn't seem that long ago I was going on a rant about how uh, some people needed to back off uh, the hate on Al Golden. But now everybody's saying, give that man a raise, do whatever we have to to keep him <laughs> in South Bend. Because, I mean, he made, like you mentioned, uh, one of the – probably the – I mean, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, he made him look silly out there. So just a phenomenal performance. What'd you think about the defense? Man, first thing that comes to my to my mind is five takeaways. Five takeaways from this defense. And every one of them was earned. It wasn't, you know, obviously we could talk about Xavier Watts, um, the plays that he made. But if you break down those plays, it's, it's because of other guys that were also involved. Getting pressure on Caleb Williams. I was so impressed with our with our defensive line. I love seeing kind of the rotation of guys that we had on the line, seeing, you know, a true freshman to kind of get his first sack of the year in that kind of primetime moment no doubt. in, in Bubakar. Um, but I thought our interior line, you know, did a phenomenal job. Howard Cross, Riley Mills. I mean, it, it was just a standout performance to make sure that, you know, Caleb Williams never felt like he was in a rhythm. And, you know, hats off to our secondaries making plays when they can and, Defensive line, keeping Caleb Williams in check all day. Uh, it was just a master class of a game plan that that they, you know, stuck to for four quarters on the field. Yeah, man, and it, it was across the board. It wasn't just, you know, uh, Xavier Watts in the secondary. It wasn't just the exactly. linebackers. Every level of the defense was playing phenomenal football. Like you mentioned, great game by Xavier Watts, and we're going to get into that. Uh, but uh, – it, it wasn't just him out there making the plays. Like you mentioned, the D line was causing that havoc. The linebackers were, you know, in coverage in his pass lanes. Just a very, very impressive uh, game plan from Al Golden. Um, so let's let's talk about Xavier Watts. Uh, man, coming out party. Um, <laughs> Say the least. Here. Let me pull up his stats: seven total tackles, six tack, six solo tackles. <laughs> um, let's see here. Two interceptions for 61 yards. 
Uh, forced fumble. There's some others I'm missing. In and a fumble recovery. That's pulled up, but. And a fumble recovery. Oh, yeah, and a fumble recovery for a touchdown. Jeez, yes. how do I miss out? <laughs> so, I mean, you know, one of the best defensive performances I've seen in a, in a long time, man. I, what a game. I, Nick, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe quick to the trigger, but I've been thinking, you know, since Saturday night of a potential better defensive performance by a single player that also didn't contribute to special teams. You could pick out, you know, maybe the Zibikowski's games, you know, where, where he, but he was contributing on special teams. But just on the defensive side of the balls, the amount of plays that he made, absolutely phenomenal. You lead the team. Um, second leading tackler on the team with seven total tackles. You know, you have a pass deflection. You you get two interceptions. You know, fumble recovery. You force the fumble. I mean, every category besides maybe a sack, this guy hit, and he was just everywhere on the field, just a ball hawk. And I, I think I for me from what I've seen, you know, the last decade, by far the best defensive performance I've seen from an individual player ever in a Notre Dame uniform. I agree with you, man. I, I was trying to think of some uh, some other performances as well, and. It's hard to remember many that, that can top that. So yeah. I mean, hats off to X Watts if he can keep playing that way, man. Uh, and also hats off to to O'Leary. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm one of those guys that I've been a little bit critical of O'Leary mainly because of his recruiting. But one thing you got to say about about Coach O'Leary, he has his guys ready to play. And I mean, this guy came in as a wide receiver, and O'Leary's developed him into. Uh, just a ball hockey safety that, you know, is always around the ball. I mean, he was just flying around the field. And, uh, you know, Caleb Williams is going to have nightmares about that dude. Yes. <laughs> so. No. Uh, all right. Now, um, who, who are some other defensive standouts for you? Um, I know there's a lot of them, man. And uh, we could probably spend quite a while uh, talking about all the different standouts. But, uh just, just to name a few. Who you got, Joe? Yeah, so there, there's a lot of guys that I, I could put out there. I thought, you know, again, the typical, you know, Riley Mills is getting better. Howard Cross is doing his thing every single week in the interior part of our line. Um, you know, Howard Cross is with three total tackles. Uh, Riley Mills with three tackles, both contributing to um, a tackle for loss. Um, you know, we had 12 individual guys that contribute to a tackle for loss. That's pretty daggone impressive. When you look at USC's right. side, they had one guy that had a tackle for loss. Notre Dame's defense, 12. 12 different individuals that had a tackle for loss. Cam Hart, Thomas Harbour, Maris Luafau, Nana, Benjamin Morrison, DJ Brown, J.D. Bertrand, Riley Mills, Howard Cross, Javante Jean-Baptiste, Bubakar Traor. I mean, a lot of guys were flying around for the Irish, uh, making it absolutely or just causing havoc on the USC defense. And again, it shows me what kind of freedom and I was not freedom, but, you know, just letting those guys just play and understanding the game plan. So hats off to Al Golden. But one guy that I wanted to really highlight, and I'm going to, I hate that we're not going to have a chance to have him next year is Javante Jean Baptiste. I've been just so impressed with him on the line. He's, he is setting such he is just playing with his head on fire. You know, he's being physical. He is looking to get to the quarterback. 
Um, I didn't expect to kind of have that kind of level from him. And it seems like he's getting better and better each week. Uh, so for, for me, I love seeing him kind of evolve as a player because he didn't get those opportunities at Ohio State. He comes over, and he, I think he's absolutely balling out. So I need to give my props to Javante Jean-Baptiste. I think it's a really good pick, man. I, I, he has come a long way, man. I, yes. You know, when he was at Ohio State, he was pretty much a one-trick pony. Uh, everything that I'm told from, from Ohio State guys, like, you know, they get him in there to rush the passer, but that was about it. Um, I, I mean, he, he is a complete defensive end right now. And mm-hmm. I, I think his draft stock's rising, man. With, with his size and length and the way he's playing right now, uh, th- there's no doubt about it. He comes out and sets the tone. Uh, him and Howard Cross. I can't forget about my guy, Howard Cross. <laughs> uh, they set the tone on the D-line. Um, 100%. And it's fun to watch, man. I, I'm like you. I God, I wish he had another year because – we, we could certainly use them. We could have all three of those dudes back. We could yeah. have if, – if we could have Jean-Baptiste back, we could have all three of them. Holy smokes, what could this defense be in 2024? Holy smokes. But we I can't. Know. We can't. This, that's a what-if hypothetical. But they're, they're all playing at such a high level. And, uh, you know, tip your hat to Al Washington. I, I know we were all bummed that we didn't get Frisk out of Central Michigan. Um, it goes to Florida State and – you know, Jean-Baptiste kind of committed out of nowhere, and people were kind of iffy. He's having a phenomenal season. And like you said, I, I love that you said they they have set the tone for this Notre Dame defense to, you know, get after quarterbacks and letting their, our secondary uh, guys go make plays. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a good point. Uh, another couple of guys I wanted to bring up, uh, Ryland Mills, man, and, and he's one that I've been hard on. Um, I he, I've been hard on him because everybody knows his potential, but he wasn't quite getting there. Man, he strung together a couple of great games, and uh, his ability keeps keeps rising as well. And uh, that's big time for our D line. Jalen Sneed, I thought he's starting to come into his own. Um, especially, I, I love having him as a pass rusher or, or coming at the edge, or you know, even in, in blitzing situations. I very impressed with with uh, Jalen Sneed. Um, corners I thought played well. Cam Hart, man, I oh. love that dude. Um, you don't hear him a whole lot. Like he caused that fumble, but you don't hear him a whole lot, and that's because quarterbacks aren't targeting his guy because yeah. he's draped all over him. Uh, that's the so, second time really, he's gotten that that punch out. Second time. Um, where, is it really? Yeah, because didn't that happen in the NC State game? Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. He, he kind of had a punch out there, and then he did the same thing. He kind of lined it up, and, you know, I don't know uh, if you record Peanut Tillman, you know, just absolutely just punched that ball. And, again, that's just good coaching too. You know, credit that to is. Mike Mickens to, you know, teaching those guys, hey, when you have a chance to go get the ball – whether I know, obviously, when you think of a cornerback, you think about intercepting a pass, but these corners are trying to get the ball any way they can out of these dudes' hands when they even catch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good point. And, you know, we talked, uh, we had a question. This I think this was in the offseason uh, about which transfer was going to, you know, make the, the biggest impact. And I want to say that you said Harper and I said JJB or maybe it was vice versa, whatever. But Thomas Harper's another one. I mean, Edmund is playing lights out football at Nickel mm-hmm. for Notre Dame. 
it, it shows that we missed him so much at Louisville. I mean, yes. I mean that guy played phenomenal. Um, and and I'll was, and I'll 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 write the ship on this and give credit where it's due. I I actually chose uh, Antonio Carter. Now Antonio Carter did get some run this game, but I, I yeah. thought he was going to be kind of the safety that maybe emerged. Complete complete miss. Actually, Antonio Carter still has some time with Notre Dame, so he can evolve yeah, to have maybe a better role. Here. Yeah. So, but I you know I didn't expect to have this out of Thomas Harper either, and I think you did to begin the season, Nick. And man, what a difference maker he makes! Because Al Golden loves blitzing that dude and just making mm-hmm. him say, "Thomas, go make a play." And he's also pretty solid in coverage. So he's, yeah. he brings an edge to this defense that we needed. Yeah, no doubt. Um, let's see. Any other guys I wanted to bring? Um, Jake Bertrand. I mean, he's just. I was about to say, we got to give our due. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Nick, this, this dude is the most consistent, just doesn't miss tackles. And we have a chance to possibly get him for another year. I, I would love if J.D. Bertrand oh. came back for 2024. Man, because this dude is about as solid as a linebacker. He's phenomenal. His instincts. You go off, Nick, because I I know you love him. You're you're number one in his fan club. I I am, dude. I've always been a big JD fan, and (laughs) I I think he's the best linebacker we've had since Manti Teo, man. And I mean, I know that's like really high praise, but he just plays phenomenally sound football. (laughs) <laughs> like yeah. he doesn't make that many mistakes. Uh, he he reads the plays well, and he and he executes it and stopping them. It's just it's fun to watch, and I know he's not a crowd favorite all the time, but man, if if we were to get him back for another year, look out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, the last one, dude, and I'm gonna butcher the name, Boomkar Traore. Yes. Is that about right? Yeah, Boomkar. <laughs> Bubakar. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, he looked different coming off the edge. Ooh. Man, was that yeah. a, a good sight to see from a true freshman. Now I'm like, oh, we got that coming up the pipeline? All right. Yeah. All right. We may be cooking. Yeah. We may be cooking here. Right. We we got something cooking. And again, hats off to uh to Al Golden and uh Al Washington. Yeah, on picking him up and, and developing him. So and also just, just giving form. and also just getting him. Sorry, not to interrupt you, Nick, but like you know, no. to stay on Bubakar, like to get him on the floor during that big time game at the end, right before halftime, for him to get that sack. I mean, that's a big time play from a true freshman, and he looks so natural. Huge. I mean, his yeah. his get off off the line was different that you know we've seen from you know a Jordan Vitello or Josh Burnham. You know, it's like, oh, we kind of we we can play with that now, and I think that's something that you know some you know other you know sites have said you know about you know watching spring ball is you know he flashed during camp, and it just shows that maybe he's just getting better and he's catching the eyes of these coaches, and I, I'm truly interested to see if he's earned his way in, into more snaps as we get to the second half of the season, and I'm for it, man. I, I want to see what the future looks like for for that young man. Do you try to redshirt him? Ooh, that's a good question. So this would be his first game, I believe, correct? Unless he's been yeah. on special teams. That, as far as I know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was his first action. We got four games left in the regular season, and then a bowl game. So we, they can play in four. Well, what do you do here, Joe? 
Talk me through it. Oh, man, you don't put me on the spot here. <laughs> um, shoot, I mean, selfishly, I'd love to redshirt him, but if the guy, you know, is playing well enough to, you know, have meaningful snaps against, you know, Clemson, Pitt, you know, go for it. You know, if he's making plays, you know, the kids earn to play. It's not like we're just going to hold that hold that bullet in our chamber and just have it sitting on the sideline and say, hey, wait for 2024. Um, I think if the kid earns it, you know, and, you know, you never know with injuries, but I say if the kids earned it, let's just play them. Let's just play them. And, again, I think that also shows to, you know, your incoming classes and your 25 saying if, if, if you're good enough to play, we'll put you on the field. You know, we're, we're not going to hold you back. Yeah, that's a. I, I like that point. I, and you know, I, I'm kind of sitting over here like, oh, come on, let's save a year of eligibility. But <laughs> you're right. I, I, I mean, if he's if he's earned it, play him. Because hell, and the little bit that he was on the field, he made a difference. So if, I mean, if he's truly that big of a difference maker, which he's, you know, in the limited view that we've had, shown that he is. I mean, get him out there. So. Um, and also it puts the other guys, you know, on, on notice because, you know, yeah. we haven't had, you know, the best Patello, I think that we expected kind of going into the year. And I, I'm the biggest Patello fan. Um, you know, Josh yeah. Burdum's, you know, flashed at points, junior Tuliamaka. If, if there's a guy like Abubakar that, you know, deserves to have a look there, give it to him, give it to him and, and see if that pushes the other guys to get better or catch up. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, so, uh, as far as, you know, kind of wrapping up the defense here, um, so USC was averaging over 520 yards a game and this defense held them to 300 yards, man. I mean, they shut down the run, they shut down Caleb just, and all the talent they have just, man, I'm still giddy over that defensive performance. It was, it was beautiful. A masterpiece, Uh, a masterpiece. A masterpiece. And uh, ND has now beat USC five of the last six. So yes, sir. Rivalry department. Yes, you know sir. what I mean? Um, I like that stat. So, uh, yeah, man, hats off to Al Washington and Al Golden. Man, I keep, I keep miss, messing up the Owls. <laughs> hats off to both of them. Yes. Uh, let's jump over to, uh, to offense, man. Um, I, I know some people were uh, complaining. Uh, a little bit because you know it wasn't a an amazing performance, but you know I felt like they got the job done and uh, mm-hmm. they took care of business in the situations that they were put in. Um, so, what what are your thoughts on the offense? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I still think we're we're going through some growing pains in some of the units, right? Um, yeah, you know, it's it's definitely wasn't their their A game, or you know, you could maybe even argue not even like B or B plus game, but when they had the ball and chances to, you know, obviously, you know, when they got the ball in the red zone, they converted, you know, they, they turned those into points. They didn't, you know, self-inflict themselves where, you know, they're, they're giving USC a short field due to a turnover or anything like that. Um, you know, for the most part, I, I was, you know, pretty pleased with, um, you know, the running game, you know, I, you know, I thought, you know, averaging 4.3 yards, you know, probably going into that game, I would expect maybe a little bit better. Um, but again, I, I could be nitpickety here. You know, SMA almost gets up to 100 yards. He has two tutties. Um, I my my great takeaways, I guess, from the offense was red zone efficiency. When 
when you had the ball and the defense put you in a spot to to turn it into seven, you did. Um, obviously, you know, special teams has seven. You know, Xavier Watts has seven himself and also puts you at the one-yard line uh, for, for another uh, interception. But you converted on those. So, but there are some, some realities that we're still dealing with. And I think it starts with our wide receiver room, you know, and, and Sam Hartman didn't have his greatest game either. But again, I, it's hard for me to blame Sam because I love that he didn't turn the ball over this game and, and put our, our defense in a bad spot. Um, but, you know, obviously the offense isn't clicking um, or in a rhythm uh, in a passing game. So, um, what, what were your thoughts, Nick? Uh, then we kind of, you know, bounce off each other. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't think it was Sam's best game either. Um, you know, I'm starting to wonder if, if he's fully healthy, I, I feel like ever since he got that, and I can't remember what game it was. I want to say it might've been central Michigan, but he got rolled up on a little bit, a pretty nasty hit. Um, Central Michigan. And I feel like he hasn't quite looked the same delivering the football since then. So I, I could be wrong. I mean, that's just all speculation on my part, but it doesn't seem like the ball's coming out of his hand uh, quite the same ever since then. Um, I, I feel like this was a great bounce back game for the offensive line. Yes. I mean, that, after last week's performance to come out, I mean, they were getting really good push. Uh, open up some lanes for their for their running backs, and they gave up zero sacks. So, I mean, anytime you can do that, it's a good day up front. And, you know, as far as some of the criticisms of uh, the offense goes, like, I, I understand because they don't come out there and they don't look dominant. But I will say this, on their first 10 possessions – so their first one touchdown, second punt, third field goal, fourth punt, five, fifth touchdown, sixth touchdown, seventh punt, eighth punt, ninth touchdown, tenth punt, and that equals out to a forty percent score rate, which is pretty damn good. So again, I, I know the defense really bailed them out in this one. Oh, put them in and great position. Defense put them in great positions. Uh, oh, there's no doubt. I mean, the, the defense <laughs> helped their offense out big time. Um, but you can't critique the O for executing the situation they're put in. But again, I, unlike you, there's a lot of areas that they need to improve on if we're going to finish this thing out the right way. So I'm hopeful. I'm like you. I'm still worried about the wide receiver room. Um, I'm hoping they can get healthy and uh, – and bounce back after the bye. Yeah, I completely agree. First of all, I love that we kind of stuck to the five offensive line guys that, you know, we've had all year. And, yeah. you know, I, you know, let's just get some some unison going with this group because this is obviously the top five guys that that you um, identified as as your top five offensive line. And, you know, you're now you're heading into a bye week where – or I guess you should say you have a great win versus USC. Obviously, the Louisville game did not go your way, but you have a bounce-back game versus USC. Now it's the time to get better and get these five guys um, on the same page. And overall, I, I was pretty pleased with the way the offensive line performed compared to you know what we saw the previous week, and I hope they can build off that kind of performance. And, again, there's areas, obviously, they can get better, but 
we need to see that kind of bounce back win and they performed at that level. So I got to give credit to where, um, you know, they, they kind of had that kind of performance that they needed to elevate, elevate their game to. Yeah, I think, I think it's a good point. And let's not forget like how crucial it is going into a bye week or some time off, uh, with a victory. <laughs> I mean, the fact that, you know, uh, it was doom and gloom in South Bend, but they got this win. Spirits are up again. The guys can rest up and also focus on fixing a lot of those issues, mm-hmm. but do it with the confidence knowing that they can play with anybody in, in the country. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they just showed it. So, yeah, I think it's well said. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, the atmosphere. Um, what'd you think? Some people are, you know, don't rush the field, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. What'd you think? Hey, I, I love it, man. Um, no, I know the viral, uh, the kid that went viral asking the kid if they paint his nails, to be honest, I'm not really about that. You know, I, I know kids are, you know, college kids can just make dumb decisions. Um, you know, but I also don't want us, you know, as a fan base to sound like, um, hypocrites. You know, when we call out Ryan Day, you know, after their win, you know, we, we can't have a kid going up and asking Caleb Williams, you know, how's his painted nails? You know, get get USC, you know, let's just celebrate as a team. I mean, this might be an old man take, you know, just let me know, Nick. This but is an old man take, Joe. This is, What's going on over here? I, I'm supposed I, to be the I old don't, man. I mean, if we did that, like, I, like, <laughs> I just don't think that's very classy, you know, it's just, you know, leave Caleb Williams alone. He's already taken the L. We could clown him, you know, afterwards. Um, you know, but, uh, I love rushing the field. I, I think it was an awesome environment. We had a ton of recruits on campus, um, that we mentioned in our podcast, um, for, you know, obviously commits that are already in the 24 class. And then, you know, we're in the upper teens in the 25 class. So it was a great day overall to have those guys on campus and then also experience a win on top of that, um, where you had, you know, the Joe Montana's on the locker room. Right before, you know, great Sam, to see him back, by the way, great to see him back. You know, this is a guy that we kind of lost during the BK era. I don't know what happened between uh, whether it's administration or BK, but, you know, to have him back on campus and have his face on the sideline is, you know, obviously benefits Notre Dame in a huge way. And seeing Sam dap him up going to the locker room to celebrate. I love Sweet. the videos of Marcus cheering with the fans as they're they're exiting the tunnel. That's what college football is about. I love that. Uh, So I know I started off on a sour about the Caleb Williams, just not the biggest fan of that. (laughs) But um, overall, you're celebrating your program and a huge win for those guys. They deserve to have that moment um, after, you know, going through such a brutal stretch of the first half of the season. And to end it on on a high note on that, loves. I love, I got pure enjoyment seeing all the videos um, from, from, you know, the coaches, Sam Hartman, all the guys um, involved. It, it was a fun thing to kind of follow on Twitter. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. I, that, that atmosphere seemed great. I, I love that they stormed the field. You know, some people are, you know, acting like you've been there before. But in my mind, let them have fun. Yeah. Like you said, this is college football. <laughs> you just beat a top 10 ranked team after getting your butts whooped by Louisville. Absolutely go storm the field, especially, you know, the student section uh, and those seniors who, 
that'll probably be the last chance they get to storm the field, you yep. know, as a college student. So uh, as far as the <laughs> the college kid uh, running up to Caleb Williams, sure, it wasn't the classiest thing, um, but neither was painting F and D on your nails. Yeah. So to me, you know, millionaire Caleb Williams, I mean, you, you get what you ask for uh, in big time college football. If, you, if you're going to do something like that, expect that fans are going to be pissed off. Uh, again, it wasn't the classiest thing, but he's going to get way worse in the NFL. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, I felt like he was kind of asking for it by doing it in the first place. But, yeah, you're probably, you're probably right as far as the, you know, overall morality of it. But no, I think I kind of enjoyed, you, I kind of enjoyed watching. Oh, I mean, <laughs> when, when you, when I don't, I forget, you know, kind of the analogy, but you know, if you ruffle the feathers, you know, or, you know, whatever the term is where you're pretty much asking for, if it doesn't go your way, you know, painting your nails, right. you know, if you, if you lose now, you know, no, you're going to hear from it. You know, you, you kind of, you know, put yourself in that corner. So uh, I get it that way. I just, you know, I, this is an old man take. I, I'd rather everyone just storm the field, get USC off the field, and let's just enjoy it with our fans. But again, Caleb Williams, it's hard for me to have sympathy for you in the other way because you know what do you expect when when you do kind of viral stuff like that? Right. Uh, but yeah, dude, the the atmosphere was great. I love, I love seeing the 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 pictures, you know, and the videos. Oh yeah. The peace sign down. I don't oh, even yeah. know why they do that. Fight off. You know? I love that they're calling it the fight off now. So instead of fight on, it's fight off. You know, it's the horns so, down. But but why is it? Why is fight on the the peace sign? Like, I don't know. I, that, I mean, Nick, I don't care about just, that program. They do dumb stuff over there. We well, just that's true. we just make sure <laughs> that we just put it. You know, we're putting the horns down, and we're just saying instead of fight on, it's fight off. And I'm going to put my well, my so. two fingers down. Yes, sir. Yeah, no, I, I loved it, man. It, it, was, it was good. It was fun. Uh, like you said, that's what college football is all about. So, um, all right. So I think that's a good place to wrap up segment one. Segment two, we got a little bit of recruiting news. Uh, we have your guys' questions. And, um, yeah, so we will be right back with segment two. Welcome back to the First and Gold podcast segment two. Uh, we got some recruiting uh, to talk about and then uh, questions from you guys. And then it's off to the bye weekend for us. So um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the 24 class. So had a lot of recruits on campus and the 24 classes almost all but wrapped up. I mean, there will still be uh, two or three more, I'm sure. But um, I wanted to talk about some of our favorite players from this 24 class. Um, so... And also dive into, you know, who we think's underrated, who's the sleeper, who's the safest bet, et cetera. So um, just give me your general thoughts on this 24 class, um, and, and we'll dive into it, Joe. Yeah, I, I absolutely love what, you know, this recruiting staff um, and also coaching staff ha has done with the 24 guys. I think it's just a very – well-rounded group where you know everyone can get the top guys where you know there isn't balance amongst the units and you know they can skyrocket you know up on you know the the recruiting ranks because they got you know four edge rushers or you know they have three safeties or whatever it may be but you know they didn't hit the linebackers or they didn't hit you know their their offensive line 
Notre Dame hits every unit in this class. And, you know, every unit has a guy that's like, this guy could be a breakout star. This is a guy who's underrated that I think is going to be, you know, has a huge ceiling in front of him. This guy already has, uh, you know, is already rated high. And I think, you know, again, his ceiling is is where he wants to go with it. Um, again, it's just a well-rounded class where every unit that you want to hit in your class is hit. There, there's not really a weak point that you could point in and say, hey, they didn't get the offensive line guys they, they wanted or they didn't get the defensive line guys they wanted. It's just a really well-rounded group where each unit is going to benefit when these 24 guys enroll. That is spot on, my man. I mean, you, you look at it from top to bottom. We hit a quarterback. We hit a wide receiver. Hit a linebacker. Hit an O-line. Um, Tight end. Running Nelson back. Nelson was on edge. campus. Yeah. Carter Nelson was on campus. But Jack Larson, you know, he, he's looking pretty damn good as well. So, yeah, I, I think across the board, it's a very well-rounded class. And I'm excited about it, man. I, I think stacking the 23 class with this class, it's uh, it's championship level. So, yeah. And Nick, uh, I, jump in. And Nick, I kind of wanted to, before we jump into, you know, kind of some early superlatives with these guys, I wanted to say, like, just like you mentioned, like, right now the staff put himself in a position where they're just adding sprinkles on top right now. They're, they're having the yeah. luxury to, hey, if we want to go flip this dude or this Georgia commit or this Tennessee committed with Caleb Beasley or Carter Nelson with, with Nebraska, you know, these are just cherries on top for us. You know, we're, yeah. we're just, you know, and they gave themselves the luxury by doing such a good job of the 24 class so early on. We're not looking to hit on, on a guy or two for a unit. And that's what I think puts – this coaching staff at ease and fan base on at ease. It's like, whew, I mean, if we're looking at our guys right now that are, are committed, we're looking really solid. And right now we have the luxury to, you know, look at, you know, the guys that, you know, may still be talking to Notre Dame. If we had those dudes, are you kidding me? This 24 class is, is way better than, than what we had in previous regiments. I would say if we're trying to compare the Marcus Freeman era to previous eras. There's no doubt, man. I, I think that's a great point. And it, we're getting star power, not not necessarily just like stars rankings. I'm talking like we're getting guys that will be stars in college, but also getting those just great football players that are great plug and play. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's well said. Um, but let's dive into it. Um who do you think is the most underrated uh, player um, that we have committed right now? And, the, again, we're using uh, 24-7 sports. I probably should have told you that uh, uh, ahead of time. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so so go ahead, Joe. Who, who's maybe one or two of your most underrated guys? So the guy I'm going with, most underrated guy in the class, and I'm going the offensive side of the ball, I'm going with Jack Larson, man. And he's rated as a three-star. So I know, um, you know, this is a guy that they got early on in the process. Uh, I know some Notre Dame fans were maybe this was a take too early because, you know, there were some other, you know, uber-talented guys on the board left for uh, Notre Dame to, you know, commit to talk to, right, and see where their recruiting timeline was. But 
Jack Larson obviously impressed enough at, you know, the Irish camps where he was showing off those mitts of his. If you put on his film, this dude's catch radius, I mean, if he has a jump ball that's in the air, he's coming down with it. And I think, you know, watching his film, I think his, he's going to actually have a, a really good style of tight end play that's going to fit really well with the Notre Dame offense. And, you know, his skill set kind of fits really well of what other previous tight ends have had in the past. So I'm going to go with Jack Larson, you know, rated as a three-star. He's rated as the 35 uh, ranked, 35th ranked tight end, uh, according to 247, six foot three, 220. But I think this guy is just going to keep improving that tight end U uh, reputation we have moving forward. Joe going tight end U, and the tight end U continues, man. I yep. agree. I think Jack Larson's a great player. I don't know how he's only a three star. So I think that's a phenomenal pick. You're right. He catches everything. He's got His mitts, man. Great. He does. He does. Uh, so great pick. Um, I'm going to go on the opposite side of the ball. And uh, I'm going to go with a guy who is a three-star. Uh, he's the number 56 player at his position. Number 96 player rated in the state of Georgia, which is absolutely insane to me. I'm going with Cole Mullins out of Washington, Georgia. Yep. With Mill, <laughs> uh, Mill Creek. Creek. Yep. Yeah, Mill Creek. That yeah. Same uh, high school as uh, same high school as Caleb Downs when we were recruiting. Oh, okay. I didn't yep. realize that. Okay. Six four two forty, and the dude just has a burst, man. And, and he reminds me of again a, a different position, but but same position. Um, group i guess he reminds me of like a, a howard cross type he, he he's just got a motor about him he's got a toughness about him uh and, and i really think he could be uh something special and a surprise of this class i'm again, really surprised that his rankings aren't reflecting that um mm -hmm. you know I, I don't know what the deal is there but i, I think they got a steal uh on the edge with with cool bullets uh, Nick, that's a great pick because I was actually debating him as well because when he committed and I watched his film, I mean, you're right. His burst off the line of scrimmage and, and his motor is something that you sometimes can't coach, right? You know, you yeah. teach, you know, technique, but this guy just looks like a football player. He just jumps off the screen as a football player. And when you're able to just pick a guy, pluck a guy out of Georgia – who's in Georgia's backyard and Alabama and Auburn's backyard and get him in the blue and gold, you know, that's a huge win for the Irish. No doubt. No doubt. All right. Next up we have uh, biggest sleeper, which I guess is like similar to underrated, but I don't know. Who do you think the biggest sleeper in this class is? Well, I, I was kind of, you know, back and forth on this. Um, and I'm going to go with, a linebacker that I know a lot of guys weren't, you know, super impressed with uh, when, when Notre Dame took him in. Um, and it's kind of two guys, whether it's Bodie Calhoun or, or Teddy Rezac. But I want to go Teddy Rezac. Um, again, another three-star guy, 6'4", 200 pounds. You know, he just, again, I want to use the same thing that I described Cole Mullins, but a football player. You know, he, he flies around you know, in, in Omaha, where, where he's from, Omaha, Nebraska, high school football, just flies around, 
plays multiple positions at, at his high school. Um, but again, just a football player. And I love guys that, you know, looks like they enjoy playing the game of football. They have a high motor and I love, you know, that he's six foot four, 200 pounds. I'm very excited to see when he gets into a college, you know, weight room, you know, what he's going to look like. Deer, man. Yeah. And when he, when he's going to, you know, get in the college weight room and, you know, it's hard to find that with a six, four, you know, guy. And I, I'm excited because I think a lot of Notre Dame fans, when we took Bodie and Teddy saying, Hey, this isn't the caliber of linebackers. Put on the film, man. Put on the film. And, and these are yeah. two great athletes. But I, I'm going to go Teddy with this one. It's a good pick, man. I I think he was a great pickup as well. You know, I, I've been very impressed with uh, Notre Dame's scouting department, man. They're they're going and they're finding the, the guys that, you know, may not be five stars and the talk of social media, but – like you mentioned, they're finding guys that are just all around good football players. And mm-hmm. I think they're great fits for Notre Dame. So yes. I, yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point. Um, my biggest sleeper, I'm really down to two, you know, I'm looking at, at the uh, commit list here and I, I really, really like Leonard Moore and his game. Um, He's rated as a three-star uh, out of Texas, but he's six foot two, 177 pounds, uh, and he just reminds me of that same type of mold of a of a Morrison or a Gray or, you know, he, he just he, he plays sound football and he's got some ways to go. He's not going to come in and, and start right away, but I think they found a jewel with him. And I I'm going to kind of break the rules here. I'm going to say someone else. I think Logan Thomas, man, is yes. phenomenal. I, I am big fan of Logan Thomas. And I think I know he's rated as a four star. I think he should be rated even higher than that. I, I love his game and also in a crucial position. So I cheated a little bit. I'm gonna go with Leonard <laughs> Moore and Logan Thomas. No, that's fair enough. I, I think that's fair. Um Okay. You know, he, he's going to be a beast. I, I, I'm very yeah. high on Logan Thomas. And the fact that we got him and Mullins, again, it talks about how rounded out this class is. When you get two of those guys, you know, in this class, it's a big win for the Irish and, and those units. No doubt. All right. Who's uh, who's the safest bet in this class? Who's the one that you're like, yep, he's going to be a stud? Oh, man. I, I was back and forth on this. But, Nick, I know we're probably going to go the same guy. Um so I'm going to go first and go ahead and take him before you can. Cam Williams. This dude is a bona fide superstar, guys. I This guy is a playmaker that, you know, Notre Dame hasn't had, or I would say, you know, has, you know, gotten a commitment from in a long time. You know, this, this guy is going to take our wide receiver room up another notch. I think he's going to put himself in a great position to have playing time early. As we've talked about in previous podcasts, the wide receiver room is the need of having a, a go-to guy, superstar. Um, this this guy has it all already, and I'm so excited for, you know, Chancey to kind of get his his hands on him, this offense to have his have him as, you know, part of their arsenal. He, he's going to be a big time, you know, guy for for Notre Dame offense, and I see him being an early contributor for the Irish, you know, moving forward. But 
put on this guy's film. He, he's running at a different speed than his competition right now. He's, he's blowing by dudes. He's just a playmaker with the ball in his hands. And I can't wait for him to have a, a golden dome on, uh, on top of his head for the Irish. Yeah. I, I mean, how, how can you not pick Cam Williams? I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, yeah, I, you're, you were spot on, man. I mean, the kid is, he is phenomenal. And like you said, it's, He's someone that Notre Dame doesn't always get. You know, he's that type of playmaker that you get the ball in his hands. I mean, he is a threat to score anytime he touches the ball. Mm-hmm. And, God, talk about great timing because, man, did we need a guy like that coming into this wide receiver room. So, I guess for the sake of uh, the podcast, <laughs> I'll pick someone else, um, even though Cam Williams was for sure going to be my pick. Um uh, but if I if I had to pick somebody else, um, I think I'm gonna go Kedron Young, man. Uh, another Very Texas good. guy. I love my Texas guys. Uh, watching this guy, especially his senior year. I mean, his junior film was great too. But watching this guy uh, run the football, man, it, it is it's fun and it's impressive. This guy, he breaks tackles. He has great balance, great vision. Uh, and he has great speed. I mean, he, he is a phenomenal pickup. Uh, again, Dylan McCullough. Because I, I love Aeneas Williams as well. Mm-hmm. And I was crazy high on that dude. But <laughs> watching this guy play, man, it's it's impressive. So I, I'll go Kidron Young, even though I'm like you. Cam Williams, got to be, gotta be the safest bet in the class. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, last one here for the recruiting. Um, who do you think will out of this class will see significant freshman playing time? Okay, so obviously this depends on you know who stays and who goes. Um, you know I think sure. Cam Williams yeah. is is an easy bet on this, but I, I'm going to go someone else on, on this thing that I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball, and I think this guy has a chance to kind of come in and you know, play as a true freshman, and that's KVA. Kingston Bello, I don't know if I can say it right. Kingston Bello Miasu Asa. Um, <laughs> yeah. But KVA, man, this is a guy why I feel like he could get on the field early because this dude's played a lot of football at a high level already. This dude's starter is at St. John Bosco, starts as a true freshman at St. John Bosco. And you know, I'm sure there's a lot of Notre Dame fans on, you know, listening to this podcast or football fans in general. You know, St. John Bosco is no joke. That is a football program that is known nationally. No doubt. And this dude, you know, played as a freshman. Now, he did have a knee injury his sophomore year. But this dude, if you go into, you know, that kind of program and start at St. John Bosco, you're a special player. And, again, he played throughout his junior year and senior year. USC wanted this dude, Ohio State wanted this dude, Alabama wanted this dude. This guy is a football player. And he has great instincts in the, you know, the linebacker position. I think he's he has the movements where, you know, he could come off the edge, you know, he could cover, you know, a wide receiver or tight end. He's he's such a versatile linebacker that it's pretty rare to see you know, nowadays, and, you know, the fact that Notre Dame's got him in this class, and I think there may be some spots for, you know, the linebacker position 
that need to be filled for the 24 season, you know, whether a J.D. Bertrand does decide to leave or a Maris Lewifau, um, you know, could KVA, you know, put himself in that, in that position. Now he's going to go against some dudes, Nolan Ziegler, Drake Bowen, Preston Zinter, you know, Jalen Sneed that are all going to be eyeing for that. But this guy has a lot of football in his background, played at a high level, which again, I think is correlated over at the wide receiver position where we've seen, you know, Rico Flores and Jaden Greathouse at Westlake. You know, it does help when you play, you know, high school football at a high level. I think it definitely gives you a, a quicker, I would say, pace to get on the field at the college level. And, you know, KVA has that in his background. So I know I went on a rant there. I'm just very excited about KVA. I'm a big believer that he's going to be on the field early for the Irish. Absolutely, man. I I love his game. Uh, What a huge pickup. Uh, Because, you know, I like the linebackers we we had before him, but he really kind of takes it to the next level. So I, I think that's a great point. Um, can I say Cam Williams? Yeah, <laughs> go for it. Uh, uh, man, you know, I, it's gotta be Cam Williams. I, I think this dude's going to be a starter midway through his freshman year. And I think he'll see playing time, um, starting from his first game. I mean, I just think he's so special. Uh, and also it could be CJ Carr. I mean, you never know. He could come in and win the job. So, uh, but, you know, I'm not going to harp on Cam Williams. We know how great he is. Um, but I think that's got to be my my pick for uh, guaranteed freshman play time. So, all right. Let's go into, um, you know what? I think that's uh, good enough on the uh, on the recruiting, um, the recruiting talk. And, again, if you guys have other – you know, picks, or if there's something we got wrong or something we got right, let us know about it. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and yes, speaking sir. of hearing from you, let's go ahead and jump into questions. Yeah, I'll go ahead and take it off with questions. Again, appreciate the support. We're, we're seeing some familiar faces that are jumping into our spaces, jumping, um, you know, into our comment section off our tweets that are asking us questions. So again, appreciate the support. We'll, we'll be having this mailbag section, every part of, of our podcast. So uh, Luke Elshoff. Uh, Luke, thank you for the question. Appreciate you following uh, and supporting Nick and I. Uh, if Notre Dame wins out this season, which Irish players, if any, would be most likely to sit out for the bowl game? I think this is an interesting question, Nick. Um, and I'm going to actually kind of you know piggyback off this question and put you on the hot seat, Nick. If, if Notre Dame goes 10 and two and you know they're on you know, let's say a New Year's Bowl, um, does Sam Hartman play in the bowl game if he knows, you know, this is my last year, I don't want to risk injury? So we're saying it is a New Year's Six Bowl 10 and 2. 10 and 2. Okay. Yeah. I, to me, I, I think if if we're sitting in a New Year's Six Bowl, I, I think Sam Hartman plays, man. I, I think – I, I think he truly does love Notre Dame. I think he loves his team. He's got a C on his chest. He knows he's not going to be a first-round draft pick. I, I think he plays, man. And I just can't see him sitting out. I, I mean, some some other guys or if, um, you know, if we, if we end up playing, say we go eight and four and end up playing and 
you know, some crappy bowl game. Sure, I, I could probably see it. But a New Year's Six Bowl, I don't know what that means for for this team, for Marcus, for his legacy. And it's one last chance to, you know, kind of show out in front of NFL scouts. So, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna say he'll, he'd play it. What do you think, Joe? No, I, I think you're right on. I, I think if we play in a big-time New Year's primetime game, Sam Hartman's going to play. However, if, you know, if there's a hiccup down the road in our, in our final stretch and, you know, we're, we're not playing in a game that, that we, um, I shouldn't say we, but, you know, that, you know, maybe Sam sees as, um, you know, another, another game on the stretch that, you know, he could risk injury, whether it's, you know, like an Alamo Bowl or Cheez-It Bowl, you know, the Duke Mayo Bowl, whatever you want to say. Um, you know, there's a part of me that almost kind of wishes, you know, Sam, You've done everything. I appreciate you coming. You made Notre Dame cool again. You you built your brand here at Notre Dame and showed what you know what quarterbacks can do with you know having that C on the chest and, and you know having that Golden Dome and having those primetime games. I think I saw that Sam Hartman's Twitter follows followers over the last four weeks went over like one hundred fifty thousand. So I hope recruits insanity. Yeah, something around that range. Uh, I think it was like 144, but I'll round up to 150. Um, but still, that's the kind of the brand that, you know, hopefully Notre Dame recruiting is saying, you know, if, if you play here, you're going to be put, you know, in front of, you know, a lot of living rooms on the television. And, you know, that just builds your brand even better. But to go back to Luke's question, you know, I, I'm with you, Nick. I think if it's a New Year's Bowl and we're playing, you know, a, a big-time opponent, it's not the college football playoff that we were hoping but, um, you know, still a primetime game. You know, he can elevate his stock in that kind of in that kind of format. If it's not, there's a part of me as a Notre Dame fan is saying, let's see what Angeli's got. What do we got in Minchie? You know, I, I kind of like to yeah. have that as a preseason to the 24 season um, and, and see what we got in those dudes. So, you know, maybe it's a good evaluation period for our coaching staff to think, hey, we already know we're losing Sam. Let's see what we got in Angeli and Minchie. You know, if, if they don't perform at a high level, you know, maybe it is, you know, a good way to, you know, look at the portal again for another quarterback. You know, those are things that, that they'll have to evaluate. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I, you know, a lot's going to happen or a lot can happen between now and then. Yep. But I just, I just think Sam's shown. He's embraced Notre Dame. He has. Yeah, he, he's embraced it. And he's kind of just shown his his true character. Like I, I, I can't see him bailing on his team. I, yeah, uh, for a New Year's Six game. So I, yeah, I think that's a great point, man. Uh, and Nick, just to piggyback, I think you you hit a point that is just you know ringing alarm bells. I I have been so impressed with this young man. Talk about a guy that's only been on campus for ten months. You know, nine less months. Than a year, yeah. Less than a year that has absolutely embraced the role of being the Notre Dame quarterback, hasn't shied away from the camera, you know, has put on, you know, a classy act through and through, whether, you know, it, it's seeing, um, you know, the Duke quarterback after the tent, having awesome, you know, post-game, you know, post-game conferences. Just really impressed with that young man. And it's been cool kind of seeing Notre Dame absolutely wrap their hands around him as, as one of our own with only being here for, you know, a short period of time. So I'm kind of with you. I don't think he wants to leave it on, on a sour note. He, he wants to take this to the top. 
I think it's extremely well said, man, and and I couldn't agree more. I I love everything about this guy, um, and uh, I'm a little bit sad that we only have four more regular season games um, to watch him in, in a bowl game. But yeah, I mean his popularity is through the roof, man. I I had a student today, a young teenage student, doesn't as far as I know doesn't watch college football at all. And she was watching some TikTok, and she, it, I heard Sam Hartman's name, and I go, "What? What are you watching?" She goes, "Oh my gosh, did you know this guy? It's Sam Hartman. I love him. <laughs> he's so, you know, whatever." I'm like, "Oh, okay, sweet. So he, he's everywhere, man." And uh, I couldn't be happier for him. And, and what a phenomenal representative of the university. So yes, sir. Um, Recruit. But Luke, to get back to your question, um, additional guys that that could sit out for a bowl game. I mean, you know, I, I, you think of a guy like Joe All, and I mean, he's gonna be a he's gonna be a first round draft pick. I don't know. I, yeah. What do you do? I, what do you do? I, I mean, usually, you know, I, I don't know if offensive linemen have it in their DNA to to sit out the game. I, I don't know. What do you think on that one, Joe? Yeah, I, it's almost like we have to see how this plays out before we can get an accurate picture. You know, like. You know, I think Thomas Harper's done a great job improving his stock, you know, where, you know, does he guy was saying, Hey, I've done enough where, you know, I I don't want to put my body out and I've already, you know, gone through some injuries. I, you know, obviously I missed the Louisville game. You know, I I don't want to hurt this puppy anymore um, because I got to make sure I'm ready for the NFL combine. So it's kind of guys just evaluating where they are health wise. Um, But I don't think there's a ton of guys on Notre Dame that, you know, can, really improve or hurt their draft stock in a game. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah. And just to quickly follow up on that, I mean, I blame Audric Estime a bit if he decided to sit out. I mean, running backs, they only have so much mile, so many miles on yeah. them. Um, Cam Hart, you know, I, I mean, dude, dude's been panged up his entire career. But Cam Hart can come back. Are you sure? Yeah. Really? I'm pretty sure he can. Oh, I thought he was done after this year. Well. Let me look that up. Go ahead and go with your thought, though. Yeah. No, I'd love to see Cam Hart come back. My God. But um, couldn't blame him if he didn't. You know, he's he's battled through a lot of injuries in his career. And so, you know, guys like him, um, JJB, uh, Alt, um, Bertrand, those are all guys that are going to have a decision to make um, whenever the time comes around, but it's so hard to predict at this point. So, Yeah, yeah, and I think you are right. I think this is Cam's final year. My apologies. Oh, no, you're good. Um, all right, so next question. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and go to the tailgate, the tailgate pod. Uh, they asked us, will ND make a New Year's Six Bowl? Thoughts on OSU versus Penn State and other games this weekend? Who do you think will land in the playoffs? So, Nick, I'll go ahead and let you start. Will Notre Dame make a New Year's Six Bowl? Um, yeah, you know, I think I think they definitely have a path uh, to a New Year's Six Bowl. I think that's got to be the goal. I, I mean, in my, in my opinion, they should win. Um, 
every game left on their schedule. You know, I know Pitt beat Louisville this weekend, but uh, there'd be no excuse to me why we would lose to a, a team like Pitt. Um, Clemson will be the the big question mark. Um, Away, yep. Yeah. But but I, I still feel pretty good about that one. So, yeah, no, I, I think there's absolutely a uh, a path to a New Year's Six Bowl. I think if we went out and go ten and two, uh, I I can guarantee you that <laughs> any New Year's Six Bowl would be uh, a fuming at the mouth to to get Notre Dame in there for their TV network. network. Yes. So uh, I'm going to say yes, they absolutely can. Yeah. And Nick, I totally agree, man. I, I see this team, the way they played versus USC, I, I think they're, they have a much needed bye week, you know, obviously, you know, get healthy in the wide receiver room. You know, you have a week off, you know, take a mental little break from football because it, it was just an absolute gauntlet that, you know, your first half of the season was, but you have, you know, you play three opponents that, you know, you'll, you should be heavily favored with. Um, but that one game left is at Clemson. And this team has to prove that they have to play well on the road. Now, I know they played well at Navy in Dublin, but, you know, you didn't have your best game, you know, versus Duke offensively. Um, you came away with a win. But, again, it was, you know, kind of, you know, a gutsy performance at the end for, for you guys to pull out a victory. You know, you didn't play your your best versus NC State. You know, kind of had to, you know, have some adversity versus, you know, the weather and the delay. And then, obviously, we know the Louisville game. So, you know, we need to have our best away performance to, you know, go into Death Valley and pull one against Clemson because this will be a game that Dabo is going to see as a, you know, save the season kind of game that, you know, that this Clemson team could put their hat on to say, hey, we, we beat Notre Dame on our home field because, again, it hasn't gone exactly how they expected their season to go. But this will be, you know, again, a beehive just like Louisville that they will be fiending at the mouth to, you know, take down the Irish and Notre Dame's got to be ready. Yep, very well said. Um, so I'll, I'll go to the next part of that question. So, you know, Tailgate asks, you know, thoughts on OSU versus Penn State, and are there any other games on your radar? Nick, I know we both are just the biggest Buckeye fans. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I truly am rooting for Penn State this game. How about you? Yeah, no, I'm I'm rooting for Penn State. Sorry, uh, to all my my Buckeye friends. <laughs> I, I uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Penn State get one. So, uh, I think it'll be a heck of a game, though, man. I, I'm excited to really have a <laughs> as much as I love Notre Dame football. I'm excited to kind of have a Saturday where I can watch the games and yes. Not have my blood pressure through the roof, yes. you know what I'm saying? Um, so I, I think that'll be a heck of a game, man. And I, I actually think I, I'm not only polling for Penn State to win, even though I hate uh, Franklin. Yeah. Um, I also think they will win. Oh. But what do you think, Joe? Yeah, I'm. I think Penn State's going to, to take the dub. Uh, in the horseshoe. I, I really do. I know OSU's favored by four and a half this game, but I, I, I think the way that, you know, Notre Dame, I mean, I truly believe this Ohio State team should be five and one. You know, just the way that we played and no the doubt. amount of self-inflicted wounds that Notre Dame, you know, caused itself to lose that game, it still just, you know, puts a knife in my heart. 
So I, I'm still kind of on the, you know, OSU may be frauds until, until they play another opponent and, and prove me wrong. So I, I think Penn State. I think Penn State's going to win. And I agree with you, Nick. You know, Saturdays, especially with all these primetime games, I'm just sweating out the day of just thinking about uh, the Irish and how they're going to play. So I'm going to have yeah. fun, you know, watching Tennessee, Alabama. I think that's going to be a great game at 3.30. Oh, it's going to be a good one. You know, I, I kind of am excited because I haven't had the chance to really watch Tommy's offense since the first couple of weeks uh, when they were kind of well, going through some tough ones. You, you already know what to expect with Tommy's <laughs> offense. I mean, there's going to be a lot of motion. And, uh, oh, man. Of course, the play won't be so hot. So I, I think that will be – that will be a fun game to just kind of actually just flip the channels through and watch. Um, another game that I'm really interested in um, is Duke Florida State. I, I think Elko. Yes. I think Elko may may because uh, I'm a big Elko fan. Um, oh yeah. I'm glad we got the win versus him, but I, I kind of want him to cause some havoc in the ACC, uh, and I would love for him to to get a win down there in Tallahassee against the Seminoles. Yeah, no, I'm really excited about that one. I think, and I'm I'm really high on Florida State, man. I think they have a heck of a team. Um, but yeah, I think Duke's going to give them some problems with that defense. So I know, and as a Notre Dame fan, Nick, like I I'm just kind of I I don't know if it's good for Notre Dame, but I just want havoc just to happen. I want you know Washington now to lose to Oregon State and Oregon to lose to Colorado and. I think they've already played, but you know what I mean. Like, I want the Pac-12 to eat itself. I want the Big Ten to eat itself. I want the SEC to eat itself. And I want ACC where I know it's a long shot. But if they, you know, if some things happen, you know, and Notre Dame sits at 10-2 and two with, um, you know, some big wins that they can put their, you know, hats on with USC and Clemson, you know, I think that only helps their their chances to get a New Year's Six Bowl and, I won't say college playoff yet, but I just want chaos. And I think that's just good for the sport overall. No, no. I, I mean, it, it, chaos is good for the sport. Like you said, it's also good for Notre Dame. I mean, <laughs> if uh, the SEC and the Big Ten, you know, kind of uh, all not eliminate themselves, but, you know, all beat each other and, you know, we start getting more teams with two, two losses. I mean, you never know. Yep. So, um, I, yeah, I think that's well said, man. I, I want chaos as well. And uh, as much as I like uh, Florida State's quarterback, I'll be pulling for Duke in this one. So, completely agree. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun weekend, man. So, he does ask at the end of this, and this is how we'll wrap it up here, Nick. Um, who do you think will land in the playoffs? So, who are your four playoff teams as of right now? Man. Um, I'm going to go Georgia because they don't play anybody. Um, I'm going to go, I guess I got to go Michigan because yep. <laughs> they also don't play anybody. Um, then I'm going to go Washington and Florida State. Oh, okay. I'm very similar. So as much as I hate these teams, Georgia, Michigan, Washington are, are my top three and I'm going to go yeah. Oklahoma. I'm going to go Ooh, like Oklahoma it. and due to the fact that they beat Texas, you know, after Texas beat Alabama, I, I just think, you know, they have a, a great win. Um, and I, 
I think they're they're deserving to be in that that top four category. Obviously, I know Ohio State beat us, um, and you know, obviously, you know, Florida State's beating Clemson, but um, you know, I, I watched that Oklahoma Texas game, man, that was fun to watch. So um, it was a fun, and then Washington beats Oregon in, in a heck of a game. So, and then I think Michigan yep. and Georgia are are clearly the top two that you know. Again, Michigan hasn't played anybody, but. Um, you know, we, we're going to have to literally wait till the end of November to see if Michigan's for real. Cause I mean, they don't play Penn state or Ohio state till late November, which is annoying. It must be nice to like have a preseason. Yeah. <laughs> September and October, and then just have to get up in November, but you know, I digress. Um, well, that's why if they, yeah, if they no, have I, one flub though, I think they should take a massive hit. Massive. Well, hit. No doubt. If they lose to either Penn State or Ohio State, you better kick them out of the top five. I mean, my God. Yeah, but, that's their only opponent that they've had, you know, kind of level competition against. You know, right. I, I just, you know, Michigan fans will say, you know, if we just had, you know, one loss, you know, if we just win one of those two, we're still in the playoff, which will just absolutely infuriate me because I do think, you know, other teams have to be put on a bigger pedestal because of, you know, the schedule they play early on in the season. No doubt, man. No doubt. Yep. But I do like your pick on the, the Oklahoma Peyton Bones, man. I think, <laughs> I think you know, I, I, I they, they looked good against Texas. Yeah, so. and I'm a Jacob Lacey fan. You know, Peyton Bowen, no doubt. not a fan, but Jacob Lacey fan. So, yeah. you know, I, I was happy to see him contribute in that big-time game. And, man, if we had Jamie on and Lacey on this defensive line too, whew, it could have been special. Oh. Yeah. No doubt about it, man. Um, but I think that's a good place to, to wrap up. You know, we got our bye week coming up. Next week we'll be back. Uh, we'll be previewing Pitt. Uh, we'll talk some more recruiting and probably some other other good stuff, whatever we can, whatever we can cook up. But uh, make sure you guys get those questions in. We really appreciate everybody listening. And uh, we will talk to you next time. Thanks, and go Irish. Go Irish. Please rate and review our podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at First Eagle Pod, at Nick Kramer IT, and at Joe underscore Kramer underscore IT. Don't forget to check out the IrishTribune.com and follow us on all of our socials at the Irish Tribune. Thanks for listening, and of course, go. Thank you.